What's up, all you cool cats and kittens? This is Affairs of the Heart. I'm your boy DQ, and we've got Aaron. It's Aaron on this podcast. You guys can follow me on uh, so Debonair on all social media. That's Debonair with no O. And we also have a special guest. Hi, everyone. Devin Barrington Ward. I am your local community advocate and your candidate for Georgia State Senate. And I'm excited to be here Ooh. on this amazing podcast that's being taped in my state senate district. That's so it's wonderful. It's a thing. <laughs> That's amazing. So we, um, before we get into the whole podcast, we do want to let our listeners know who you are and um, you know why you're here. Yeah. So again, Devin Barrington Ward. I've been working for LGBTQ folks, Black people, Brown people, undocumented people, marginalized people, ignored people for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams gave me my first start as a canvasser. Um, when I was 16 years old on her first campaign for the State House of Representatives here in Georgia. Um, and from there, it's amazing how, uh, you know, one opportunity can really open the floodgates of being able to be a servant leader and, and also be a servant leader and stand in my own truth. You know, as a black queer man, I bring my full self to the work. So it doesn't matter if I'm closing the jail, the city jail downtown with my friends or working on decriminalization of marijuana policy or working on LGBTQ issues for homeless LGBTQ youth, I bring my full self to the work. Um, And bringing my full self means all of the nuances. Sometimes I don't always say the right thing that's politically correct, but I think right now in the world that we're living in, political correctness is very subjective right now. Um, And so, um, you know, that is a little bit of my background as far as, you know, where I'm from. I grew up um, on the east side, zone six. Um, grew up on the east side, product of DeKalb County Schools, um, and moved away after working in politics here in Georgia for a little while and then went to D.C. I was there for five years, um, did a lot of HIV policy work up there, ran an organization called Impulse Group D.C. I think there's a chapter here, there is a chapter here in Atlanta. Um, and, uh, you know, we were known as the two black chapters. Every time anybody else <laughs> saw an impulse somewhere else, they're like, Are that, is that the same organization? <laughs> See, number white people. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very, white I, right. Really? But I if you were to go that. to Impulse Group, an Impulse Group event in LA or Chicago it's or me. Miami, it definitely doesn't look like us. Oh. Um, and so I've always been unapologetically black about everything that I do. Um, and so what else to folks know? Um, I'm running for the state senate seat in this area because I am tired of seeing my friends die from HIV. I'm tired of seeing people that I know in community be impacted by this criminal justice system that is not just. Um, the over-policing that happens in our communities, the lack of equity in our healthcare system, the pollution. You know, if you live in Bankhead, your life expectancy is only 65. But if you move to Buckhead, your life expectancy is 87 and a half. Now, why is that? Because we have some of the highest rates of HIV. We have some of the highest rates of pollution. We have some of the highest rates of over-criminalization. We don't have the type of affordable housing access that we need. People don't have access to the substance abuse and the mental um, health programs that they need. And so that impacts your overall quality of life and your life expectancy. I'm running because I believe that my neighbors deserve to be able to live to be 87 and a half or greater. Um, And I also believe that um, as a black LGBTQ person, that we've contributed so much to the city of Atlanta. And it is a shame that there has never been a black LGBTQ person elected to the Georgia State Senate. So if I'm elected, I'll be the first. Wow. Um, So this is a historic campaign. 
And this is a people's campaign. Um, and this is a campaign that's fun. It's like, we're not stuffy, like, I'm your pro-cannabis, uh, <laughs> pro-cannabis candidate, I'm your sex-positive candidate, I want you to have as much sex as possible, as long as you're making sure that you're safe and you're navigating your risk. I want you to make all the money that you can, but I also want to do that in a framework that is not grounded in greed and corporatism and capitalism that doesn't serve the people that I love the most, which are people who look like me and people who have a struggle and are working class and have not get not have not received a handout, you know? Okay. Wow. I think that explains more than <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but good, good. Absolutely. That's that's incredible. Thank that's you. I appreciate great. it. And thank y'all for opening up your platform. I know y'all normally don't talk about politics, but I promise <laughs> there will not be a more fun political candidate <laughs> on your podcast. I can almost guarantee, guarantee. I can guarantee it. Well, I know I had to reach out to you because uh, my brother, he, this, this is like the second time he's like put him on this show. Mm -hmm. um, his name is Damon Bouvier up in, mm -hmm. he's in Virginia now. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, yeah, so I was like, let me reach out and see if we can get you on here so that he doesn't kill me because this is the second time. <laughs> yes, and he's that. one of my, yeah. we, we met via Impulse Group when I was okay. on Impulse Group in DC and he was a loyal, loyal Impulse Group member. So shout out to you. I appreciate you so much. And I finally made it here. Right. right. I want to make sure he make sure he shares this. Yes. Right. <laughs> he better share. Right, right, right. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get into our first topic, which is actually something that one of our listeners had requested. And I want to shout this person out because it's the second time he's asked us to talk about this. Um, his name is Q1973. He's on our YouTube channel. And he wants us to talk about being conscious and being gay. And okay. what is that? Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's how you define it. You know, like, um, I, first of all, there is no conscious or woke police. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, like, we've got to stop policing everybody, like, as far as, like, how, you know, woke conscious you are. you are, how woke you are, because a lot of that has to do with, you know, the privilege of what you've been exposed to. Right, you know? right, right. Um, we are all ignorant to something at some point in our lives, particularly as black people when we have been you know, inherently and systematically denied ways to access our history and our culture mm -hmm. and all of the rich and beautiful things that come along with black resilience and black strength. And so when that's not taught in your public schools and your mama wasn't taught that when she was in public school and your grandma wasn't taught that, but she tried to give you whatever information you could, she could, that is how you oftentimes find people that we would necessarily, we would maybe label as not being woke but that's an opportunity to educate people. And so um, I'm less concerned about how we define like what it is to be gay and conscious mm -hmm. and more concerned about do we use that as a weapon to like be elitist and to, you know, look down on people and, you know, say, oh, you're so ignorant and you don't know nothing and da 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 and all of these, the old child, the ghetto and all these things that we <laughs> use to like divide one another and use as a spear against each other when in all actuality, we should be trying to educate. And there's going to be some people who don't want to get it. And that's fine, too. Not well, everybody's going to get it. I think that a lot of people are kind of just in a space where it's almost like it's kind of a fad to be woke. Because it's like, you know, we woke when Trayvon Martin gets killed, mm -hmm. but then somebody, Mike Brown, gets killed. So we switch over to that. We totally leave this whole thing behind. And then to me, I just feel like, you know, when it comes to black people, period, we're so divided when it comes to a lot. 
So how is that? How does that look for all of us to be on the same page? I mean, because if you think about it, you have your sexuality, you have your skin tones, you have, mm -hmm. you know, your masculine, you right. have your feminine, you have, just you have your just women, about the yeah. and stuff. you have your women, yeah. you have your men. There's so many different divisions when it comes to that. That you know, where do we start to become one? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that goes to what he was saying in terms of the education. If we don't know. Then we don't know, and there's so many more people that don't know than do know. Yeah. And when you think that you, I think what what conscious becomes in our community is that we get one piece of information, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then we we're conscious right. because we have that one piece of information. So like um, the Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. that that was it, and is a great movement. However, that was one piece of information mm -hmm. for us to be conscious right. but did we do more research did we learn more about it and then it excluded black gay lives it excluded black hiv lives it right. excluded so many things because we, we couldn't be a part of the movement because we were gay right. or, you know and it actually is like I, I laugh about that because i consider myself like one of the um, I'm a part of an organization called Black Youth Project 100, which is one of the anchor organizations for the movement for Black Lives. Mm -hmm. And so we saw, even to your point, we saw how like some people would take over and and and, and co-op Black Lives Matter and use it to exclude Black LGBTQ people. Yeah. But all of the people that I know that were with the official Black Lives Matter are Black queer people. Right. They're like all Black queer and trans. Because we're always the ones to put ourselves on the front lines for black people, yeah, yeah, even yeah. at times yeah. when black people don't necessarily always put themselves on the front lines for us. Yeah. Um. And 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 that is that is that is the hurtful piece about like the division, right? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. as as people who are like the most marginalized and the most of the most marginalized, like we're black, we're queer, we're trans, all of these different things, we know oppression so intimately. That oftentimes we are the ones to like stand up and speak up against it boldly, right? right. But again, that doesn't give you license to be like a movement snob, as right. I would like to call it. One of the things that I, that I hate the most is that the whole Paul Scalando thing. Mm -hmm. It's like that came and that went. Like mm -hmm. we don't we don't really hear that much about it. We hear about Trayvon Martin. We hear about Mike Brown. We hear about yeah. all these people who have passed away through police violence and things like that. But when it came to Paul Orlando, like it happened and then it was over. Like, you know, we celebrate it, you know, every year that it comes along. But the world does not take that as serious, or black people don't take that as serious as anything else. But who died in Pulse, right? The it majority was, of those people were what? Black and they brown. They were black, yeah. They were, it was, on, black, it was on an urban night. Yep. So, yeah, and, and the guy that did it was, I, I guess, I heard the stories from a girl that was there that I guess he didn't even know it was that night, but he went there to do that. Yeah. And you know, I lived in Orlando. So it was, that's why it's very, I'm very passionate about it. I know people who died there. Mm -hmm. I, I so, have a friend who's a survivor um, of, of the Pulse shooting. And mm -hmm. I met one of my best friends um, at Pulse nightclub mm -hmm. uh, very, years ago, lots of <laughs> drinks. So, so dude, <laughs> when I used to drink. And so to, to think about that such violence could happen there. Yeah. And to your point, that the the way that we hold that in our history collectively looks very different from the way that we hold it in you know terms of the history of you know Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown yeah. and, and those are things that deserve those are people that deserve to be kept in history. What happened to them was mm. appalling, but also yeah. what happened to the people at Pulse was also equally appalling, right? right, right and right. why don't we hold that in our history in the same way? And it's because of this unchecked homophobia and transphobia right. that intersects with, 
being black and brown and all the things. I just think, I mean, for me, I just feel like if in, in order for us to be able to be one, we black people have to, to let that go with yeah. the whole LGBT thing. Because we're here, we're not going anywhere. And I mean, until that happens, we're, st- we're going to be divided. We are a major part of that movement. Mm-hmm. I think we're just a major part of history in general. Oh, yeah. Um, that yeah. we, you know, we have been kind of etched out of. Mm-hmm. Um, in every movement, which mm-hmm. I think you, to your point was exactly correct, every movement there has been a presence of the LGBTQ Absolutely. community, and and at the at the ground levels of most of the movements, it has been the LGBTQ community. So it's so interesting that we, we get etched out of the history. Yeah, um, Bay of Rustin just earlier this year, you know, one of the organizers of the March on Washington, mm-hmm. Black Gay Man. Just earlier this year, just now, got pardoned for some some. He's dead. I mean, he can't even enjoy the 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 the, the, the you know benefits that come along with a, a pardon from the governor of California. But they pardoned him for you know um, I think some sex act or something. He was caught in the park with somebody. You know whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. It felt like entrapment, and so you know they pardoned him. But the idea that like just now. We're doing that for someone who organized King's March on Washington. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Marsha P. Johnson, black trans woman, led the Stonewall riots. June Pride Month is built on her back. Mm. But she didn't just throw that brick because she was a trans woman. She threw that brick at the police, which means she that was the intersection of her transness and her blackness and saying, I've had enough. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But oftentimes we don't want to talk about that. Even just here in Atlanta, the reason why you can walk around with a blunt and APD probably ain't going to lock you up is because black trans women stood up for DeAndre Phillips, a young black father who was killed because the only reason the officer engaged with him is because he smelled marijuana coming from the car. Later, black trans women and black queer people went down to City Hall and demanded that we decriminalize marijuana in the city of Atlanta. Where is uh, all the niggas in the trap, all the people that's posted up outside mm-hmm. of Blue Flame and, uh, you know, Bankhead Seafood and all that? Where's the thanks for the black, trans, and queer community for the work that we did so that you could enjoy that and not have to look over your shoulder every time? And so that's part of the reason I'm running because I'm just like, I'm not going to allow anyone to rob me of my blackness mm-hmm. and divorce me from my blackness. I stand up from this community when a lot of other people don't. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'm just as deserving of your vote as anybody else. I'm just as deserving of your support. And we've got to stand in that unapologeticness. Like, you will not erase us from this. Because none of the advancements that you what, that we have as a community would be impossible if it wasn't for us. Mm-hmm. Good. So you want to transition into our next topic? Yes, but okay. I don't know what the next topic is. I do. <laughs> <laughs> So our next topic, and it kind of goes with this, and it actually really does go with because it's dealing with the black church. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that last week a little Oof, bit. My God. We got a lot, actually, we got a lot of feedback from our, our podcast church. last week. Did we? Yes. A lot of people were very interested in the stories that we told about being a part of the black, I mean, the affirming church. Okay. Um, there was a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but <laughs> we should talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of questions. Um, but so Kira Shield did a interview this week, and basically it was just dealing with Kimberell, um, and you know, should the gays forgive her? So, if I understand correctly, she did an interview on uh, IG uh, promoting her new CD and promoting right. the album, uh, promoting the movie, and uh, the interviewer asked her. 
um, if the gay community should forgive Kimberell. Mm-hmm. And she agreed that the gay community should forgive Kimberell. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> Do you want to go first? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so my thing is this. First of all, Kimberell hasn't even apologized. And she's not. To the gay community. She's not. So how can you give forgiveness to someone who isn't even asked for it? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Um, two, you know, for me, I think that an apology does have to be given, but it also needs to be an action behind that. So we can't forgive somebody who, you know, that doesn't even want forgiveness from us. So, you know, they think that, you know, we're not a big part of their careers, but at the end of the day, they were talking about, I guess, people, the gays are still doing her hair, her makeup, but yeah, because they're getting paid. Outside of that, who's really... I haven't even heard of Kimberell since all that happened. <laughs> I think that we, <laughs> that um, I think we need to look at the magnitude of what Kim actually did to be forgiven from, right? Okay. So it wasn't just what she said. It also had a lot to do with the time that she said it mm-hmm. or that it became public. Because mm-hmm. I think what she said was, you know, a video from some time ago. Um, and then it just it just surfaced and became public. Around the time that Pharrell hired her to do yeah. the, oh, um, yeah. to do what uh, Hidden, Hidden Figures, figures. Mm-hmm. Hidden figures she was a featured artist on the Hidden Figures soundtrack, and she Pharrell was to perform on Ellen. Ellen. Pharrell right. was taking her around mm-hmm. to all his interviews to promote her and kind of give her the mainstream stage that she vocally deserves. Right. I'm not gonna say personality deserves, but her voc- her vocals deserve a, a personal stage. I mean right. a, a, a platform of that sort. So because that came out when it did, she, you know, obviously you were getting ready to go on Ellen and Ellen was like, well if you if this is how you feel, I'm not gonna have you on my show. All people like that's the one thing. But then also what she did was she cost Warner Brothers billions of dollars for the promotion of the Hidden Figure soundtrack because nobody wanted to book Pharrell or promote the movie or the album anymore because of her, her stance. Mm-hmm. So I think it's bigger than just saying... Didn't they go back in and taking her vocals off or something? No, it's, it's still on. Oh, okay. It's still on there. I, I, You know, so there's so much layers to this, right? <laughs> so one, we also have to talk about, like, yes... Um, she was taken off of the track, mm-hmm. all of the things. There was this uproar from the larger LGBTQ community. But, you know, like, for me, I'm just like, so this uproar, yes, is grounded in, when, when, she was, when she made that statement, she was talking about not just the gays, but she was talking very specifically about black LGBTQ folks in the church, mm-hmm. right? And the people who ran off with the most outrage were not black, yeah. right? Right? They weren't. And right. so I think it's really interesting that there's this subjective outrage, right? Because my outrage as a black LGBTQ person is very different from the collective outrage around this, like, taking her off the album and all right. this money thing and this and the third. She represents something so much deeper, right? Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, I don't think that I, I'm not, I'm not going to say whether or not it's our place to forgive her or not. Because I, I personally, you know, I wasn't like, raised in the traditional black church. I was Seventh-day Adventist, so, mm-hmm. like, we didn't really mm-hmm. listen to mainstream gospel. We sung out of hymnals and, you know, mm-hmm. marching on the promises of That's God. That's what we did at the Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, marching up the Zion. 
Brown, yeah. Rush on the Process of God, LNG White Books, all the things. For my Sunday Adventure folks out there. So with that being said, I don't really have an axe to grind with her. But I do feel like um, I thought it was so. I was like, wow, we're really going in on her. But like, what about all the bishops and the churches that she's a part of that preaches that ideology every Sunday? Where does the responsibility fall on them? Where does the why? Why is it always? It always does feel like it's so much easier to martyr or nail to a cross a black woman, even when they're genuinely wrong. But she's a part of such a larger institution that promotes yeah, that that's hate. What I'm and I feel like she became the scapegoat, and the church still escaped that conversation I, I, that they I needed. Think that, I think that was a little bit different than that because I think that the gay boys loved her. Like it was like a she. I mean, they was she was like floating on cloud nine with them. So you know, to hear her actually say that, and for everybody to be able to see it, took it to a whole other level. I think that a lot of us are like. Um, I think you have to think about the black church, the black church mentality. Period as a mm-hmm. whole, when it comes to that, because a lot of, we're taught to just deal with it, you know. And so now that. What she said was for everybody to see. Mm-hmm. It took her to another place because now white people seen it, black people seen it, every other nationality seen it, mm-hmm. and they not Kimberell fans like the gay black boys. Did. Right, right. Right. And they so didn't the know who she was. Yeah. yeah, right. Let me ask you a question though: If she was a mainstream artist, mm-hmm. would we be having this conversation? Because I remember there's been some mainstream artists that are still popular now. That if you go back on their tweets. They said things, mm-hmm. right? Now, granted, they apologized, but a lot of times they were forced into an apology. It wasn't like a... Give me an example of who you're talking about, though. Um, uh, oh, uh, what was her name? Uh, the chick, Senorita. She was a... So she... Gosh, this was just in the news probably like three or four months ago. You know, her, Summer Walker said some crazy shit yes. about, you know, HIV. Mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj has always been... But a lot, of, it, a lot of the cases have got, have got rid of her, too. So, I, I, think, I think it depends on who the gays have flocked to. Mm-hmm. Because Kimberell, the, the gay church was flocked to her. Well, like, I think, I think she you, was like, she was like fly tape and they was getting mm-hmm. stuck to her. Mm-hmm. I, I think you also have to take into consideration the context. I think you mentioned something in the first thing that you said in terms of, you know, the conglomerate, mm-hmm. the, the, the closest conglomerate was not moved by what she said because mm-hmm. we're used to that abuse. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. used to that those, that type of verbiage being in the gay church or mm-hmm. being in church in general, rather being gay in church, you're used to that kind of rhetoric. So you, you're you not really moved by it because you've heard it before. Mm-hmm. But again, to your point where, you know, this was a national stage. Right. This was something that, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just brought to light to a whole different conglomerate of people. Right. And I think that that makes a difference. However, um, you know, I don't, I in terms of us forgiving her, I don't think that, I mean, there's nothing to forgive because this has been her, this has been her MO from the very beginning. The, the problem is the history behind Kim and, and her issues with the gay community, mm-hmm. which is the fact that she married a down low man. Mercy, 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 and, mercy. And she, <laughs> but, see, but the thing is that, the, thing is that the, the gay black boys knew that. The world yeah. did not know that. No. But well, and that is so why now that they knew, so... but now that they heard this, Imagine them getting a hold of that story as well as her saying, and, I mean, as well as that sermon that she preached. Right. It would be, a, it'll, I mean, she's never going to come back from that. And I also think that, like, you know, forgiveness for us looks different, yeah. right? 
because we know that we've had aunts and uncles who yes. have said wild yeah. shit true, true, true. and yeah. we have forgiven them, right? Yeah. And so that's not to give Kim a pass, but for me, like what what I would not be okay with is, for example, if she went and like had a sit down with the HRC. No. Mm. Uh-uh. No. Because then at that point, I don't trust like the apology. How? How? I don't trust yeah. the apology right. because then it's about, for me, that's like that's PR one on one. You go to the the biggest gay rights organization, right. you go and apologize so that these white folks will book you for stuff again. Right. No. Go to a black church, mm-hmm. just like you sat there and you had a sermon that where you said some wild, crazy shit. Right. You should also go to a black church and you should also say the truth. Right. And apologize in that format. That is for me, then it's like, okay, you're serious. To me, about it's, a, to me it's a whole mentality it's a mentality change for her. Mm-hmm. To me, like I don't think that never gonna it's not going to happen. So I, her forgiveness is never going to happen for me personally no. because it's not going to happen. No, she's been so bitter behind this whole her, her divorce and mm-hmm. the man. So that is that is her mo. That's where it comes from. Yeah. But because she has not identified or dealt with that specifically, her rhetoric is going to be continuously spewed. You know, it's yeah. not like Ayana. If you're listening out there, it's not like she's not Ayana. It's not like you might have an episode because I mean, there is there's also the the I guess the pain and the trauma right. of like having your heart broken in that way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so I also am not going to divorce Kim Burrell of her humanity mm-hmm. and the fact that she's a woman and the fact that she's a human and so she has a heart and when things don't work out in relationships and you don't go through a process to right. like heal and find peace that it can, you know, jade your perspective on all of the things. And so... While that's not an excuse, mm-hmm. we all have been in a place where someone or something has done us wrong and we have been jaded. Mm-hmm. And we've connected that jadedness and we found anything that could validate, we latched on to what could validate our jadedness. So for her, I'm jaded over the fact that I was with this man that's on the down low. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to latch on to this you know, BS ideology that these churches preach. And I'm going to use that as my weapon and my security blanket around the hurt and the pain that I'm experiencing. And so I feel like for Kim Burrell's sake, like for her own personal sake, you know, the community, we're going to be fine. Right. For her sake, <laughs> it sounds like, you know, sister, if you're listening, you know, because it seems like you like to hang out with the gays. If you're listening, Sister Burrell, I really would uh, encourage you to find restoration and healing. Because you can't get to a place with the community until you've really made peace with that part of your history. She needs some counseling. Yeah. She does. I mean... Oh, well, she needs some counseling. Don't call Ayana. This is not Ayana but she's honest that she is not a counselor. She is honest about that. She's yes. a life coach. Yes. Um, and I don't think a life coach is going to help you with this one. I mean, it's a little bit bigger than that. But she does. She needs to break down why that's bothering her so much. Because mm-hmm. honestly, if this is what you are, you just keep on going on with. And you know, even to go back to Nicki Minaj, like you know, with the whole Orlando thing, she really didn't say anything bad. She just didn't say anything. She didn't at say all. anything, right? Which yeah. I also was as someone who I wouldn't say is her biggest fan, but because she um, is from Trinidad, my family's from Trinidad, I'm always going to support folks from from back home. Mm-hmm. Um, when she decided not to say anything, I actually wasn't offended because sometimes it's better if you don't have anything that's going to be helpful to say, then don't, don't say anything. But I think the, the problem with that for her was is that her fans were gay. 
and they were like waiting on something mm-hmm. because they felt like they're invested in them. I feel like, you know, when you are a public figure like that and your following is of whatever it is, if they are going through, you going through because mm-hmm. I mean, this is your money. This is your livelihood. She hasn't really done well since that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, her choice of not saying nothing cost her a lot. Hmm. I don't have any and that's that. And that's that on that. <laughs> so I guess we go to our next topic, which is revenge of the, with the return of the ex. Shoot, I mean, Kim Burrell can talk about all. That. Yeah, right. She, you know, deal with those demons. Sometimes they'll physically return, and sometimes they'll spiritually return. Right. They'll mess up your whole thing. Return of the exes. So, if there's ever been a situation where you, you know, you have rid yourself, you burn all the sage and all the incense to get rid of all the, this, the, the, the spiritual and physical and mental uh, dealings with your ex, and years go by, and then all of a sudden they call, they come a calling. What do you do? What's up, big head? <laughs> Is that chapter closed, or do you try to revisit it? Do you think it's safe to revisit it? Have you healed from the situation? I think it so depends on if you've had closure with that. It depends on the closure and it depends on the ex. Not every yeah. person is like, we have to also assume that just because, not assume that because they're an ex, then that means that there's something like fundamentally wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And that means that like they're, you know, like a bad person. Just because they're an ex doesn't mean all of those things. Now, right. it could. Right? Um, we definitely know some people who've had exes who are like, you know, the return of Carrie or whatever. Right. Freddie Cougar. Freddie versus Jason. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it really depends on the situation and depends on the ex. Um, if my most recent ex called me, you know, we did not have an ugly breakup and we didn't have a bad relationship. We just we're not on the same paths, mm. right? Um, if he was to call, I could have conversation. Uh, I don't know if I would get back in a relationship with him, but I could have conversation. We could talk. We, mm. You know what I'm saying? But there's a, my, my first boyfriend, if he reached out to me, I don't, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If you listen out there, you know who you are. Um, it would really depend on the place that he's in. Mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, spiritually, right? Mm-hmm. How you come into this situation. Because I can, I, that's what the peephole is for. I get to see, okay, are you together? You, 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 you're right. right. Oh, right. you're not? Okay, well, you're going to stay on the other side of that door. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I think, like, I, I revisited my first ex um, years later, only because we had grown, we got gotten older, our priorities were different. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons that it may be safe to revisit uh, revisit an ex for that reason. But mm, I don't know. Some people think now, okay, here's the thing. Some people can't be friends with their exes. They think, when I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. Do you think that you are, get to that, like, can get to that point and just say, you know, we're not friends? I think in, in the space that I'm in, me and my ex are who where we're at like we are on and off friends and i'm fine with that um as far as like you know us getting back together that's never happening um but i just couldn't i mean our we've worked hard to just have this little bit of friendship Mm. and i would never want to make that 
be anything else. But that's my first boyfriend. So, right. you know, and the other guys that I've kind of dated, um, because we really didn't get too far into the relationship, I don't know if I would return or not. Okay. What are some signs of, like, toxicity? Like, would you, could you? I think the back of, like, the doing this all the time, coming Coming in and leaving, oh. coming in and leaving, yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. That's horrible. Like, I can't. That's I'm, I'm going to cuss you out uh, in a minute. That and also, I think, like, when, like, those first couple of conversations and questions is really going to determine the space that you're in. Because mm-hmm. if you're asking me about, like, who I'm with right You're now, that, oh, yes, what yes, I've been, yes. you know, like, my whereabouts, you know, like, trying to be possessive mm-hmm. and all of the Well, things. I think it comes from where you're asking it from, too, because, like, me and my ex, my real ex, we talk about that all the time, like, who we're dating, you know, stuff like that. We're, right. We have that kind of friendship now. Right. Mm-hmm. But, like, guys that I've met, like, I, like we kind of dated, but we didn't really date, but we kind of dated... Like, I don't want you coming. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> this is kind of dating. Because it's like we were talking for a long time. We decided we want to be boyfriends, but then it didn't work. So we like, I just can't really. I mean, because of where I came from, I just don't, like I told y'all before, I don't really consider them real relationships. So it's kind of da- So wait, did you become boyfriends or not become boyfriends? I, we had said those words, but then I just didn't really feel like it was real, so. So, because you didn't feel like it was real, y'all weren't. Yeah, weren't you know, it my, it's my way of the highway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, if they're asking, I'm like, why are you asking me this? Because mm. there's a motive behind this. Indeed. Me and my ex, we talk, we laugh and joke about it all the time. You know, who's we're dating and things like that. But we've come a very long way to have these kind of conversations. Because, you know, before, I'd probably try to murder one of them. But... <laughs> okay. So, no return to the exes for you? No. No return. All right. No. I no. don't think I can do it. I'm not here for I think it. once it's gone, it's gone. It's done. That's probably the Virgo in me. Like, I just, I can't. I don't want to backpedal. Fair enough. I, the only... The only thing I would say about, like, I don't necessarily, is it backpedaling? Particularly if the person, like, people grow, right? Not, maybe not necessarily in the ways that is conducive for, you know, being back in a relationship. But if they have grown, if they have dealt with those things that, like, this also depends on why the relationship ended. Right. Mm-hmm. If it was a relationship that ended because, well, we just weren't in the same place right now. We are, we're, our, our things weren't aligned for a few years, and now, oh, we come back together. We see that we're in alignment. We're, it's been a functional relationship at its core. It just, you know, people just grow apart. It still, That's it still depends on your approach on coming back to this relationship. Because one, if we left off somewhere, what happens to all this passion that happened that we just kind of just let go because mm-hmm. it was over? Now you're back. Do we talk about what happened before or do we just start from here and move forward? I think it depends on every relationship. I think if that's what's necessary. I'm a person. We're going to need to go backtrack and figure out why you, these things happen. Well, oh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't yeah. it be a part of your closure for ending the relationships to begin with? Sometimes you leave a relationship without closure. closure. Yeah. But then, so then do you, that, that's an interesting perspective though. Do you try to get the closure before you try to move forward? Because yeah. then that, that could be. I'm going to tell you something. For me, I, I, I want to have closure. Like, I don't even care if it's harsh. Just give it to me. Is it so that closure I can deal or is with it, it clarity? Because closure, to me, signifies something like, yeah. I, I, I ended this, like, I'm closure, I've ended this thing, I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. anymore with it. 
I feel like what I'm hearing sounds to me it sounds a little bit more like clarity, particularly if like we've been apart for a few years, we're coming back. Okay, I need clarity on like some of these things when we were together. I do need some clarity on like, are you still in those practices? But don't you need clarity to have closure? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, you can have... Well, explain to me how that works. Well, because closure, like, I don't necessarily define closure as being this thing that like, oh, you told me these things and now I'm at peace. Right? Like, the closure oftentimes is is a self-act, right? Like, I have to... Okay, yeah, I can agree to that. I can agree to that. Yeah, 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 I get that, yeah. Whereas clarity is just understanding. Right, which in order to get clarity and understanding, you need to be a part of this conversation. Yeah. So then maybe my question is, do you need to get clarity? If, you, if you're if you revisiting this situation, what happened before and what's going to happen new? Yeah, I think that's a, those no, are fair questions. That's a valid, that's yeah. a valid question. Those are valid questions. And I think to not ask those questions would be moving into a relationship in a way that's not right, in a way that's not responsible. Yeah. Yeah, because we thought we did talk about closure. And I told you about how I got I get closure by my damn self. I don't even care because I I have to have it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess the moral of the story is maybe we you might return to exes or you might not. It just depends on you. Know. Maybe y'all. Might. <laughs> 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 right. I'm not doing no. I might go back around and have a good time one time. Oh, I love it. But, okay, but you can be having sex with your ex on the side also and not having, not having closure or conversations. Okay. It, it depends. Again, it depends. If, if you are in a place where you have gotten that closure on your own, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily, or you've gotten clarity, right? So it was like, I got my clarity. I'm clear that, like, we're not moving in that direction anymore. But we can still have sex. But we can still have sex. That is only if you can truly divorce yourself of, like, whatever feelings that you've had for this person and the sex. Because, you know, those things are possible. Um, You know, it does require a certain level of emotional maturity and being able to speak really boldly and, like, calling a thing a thing. Like, But don't set yourself up. Right. I I mean, you really got to know yourself. I was gonna say, right. Let me give a disclosure. Let me right. give a disclaimer right here. They're going to be like, the senator told me it was okay <laughs> to go and have sex with my ex and now my life is a mess. Wait a second. Hold on. Pause, okay? Make sure you, you got to have some skills for this. Not yeah. not every person, yeah, that's you know, true. not know every regular regular person can mm-hmm. do that. That takes some deep yeah. emotional development and intelligence and practice yeah. to do that. And most people can't handle that to be honest no most people cannot separate the emotion between the i think when you're done with somebody though like with the whole relationship part but let's say y'all had good sex together you can separate it like if you have been physically drained from that person but y'all can still tap into that i think it may be worse for the person who came back than the person who approached that other person well physically drained isn't necessary bad thing, especially if we're talking about sex. No. That's what I'm talking about, emotionally drained. You can't emotionally, I mean, some people yeah. just don't have the capacity, and they think they can, which is so interesting, because they'll get into the situation, and floodgates of different types of emotions will come back, and you, you have to be a strong person to be able to handle And the other person also has to be strong, too, because don't assume that just because you're in this emotionally intelligent, enlightened place, and this, that, and the third, you've done the work that they've done the work in the same way. Mm-hmm. They may agree to have the sex 
And then afterwards, it's a train wreck on their part. And you're like, I was good this whole time. Right. Right. I thought it was good. So it is a very, relationships in general are are precarious tightropes to walk. Um, And that piece, it's not that you can't do it. It's just... You know that that is the 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 advanced level of the program. <laughs> <laughs> As Richard, well, guys, we are going to take a break, so um, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy So Debonair. I'm here with your zodiac facts. It's time for something fresh. Up first, we have our Capricorn. When a Capricorn is over you, there's no change in their mind and all you will get is empty promises. Now over to our Aquarius. When an Aquarius is over you, they become the ultimate magician. Now you see them, now you don't. They become less attentive and more aggravated with you. Now when a Pisces is over you, they will stop including you into things. Conversations with them are like pulling teeth and it seems like they're more distracted by everything else instead of paying any attention to you. Now moving on to our Aries. Aries, you're impulsive and impatient, and those two qualities can get you into trouble, especially when they cause you to do something reckless and irresponsible. Now, a Taurus. Taurus, you refuse to admit you could be wrong because in your world, you feel like you're not blinded by your emotions. You don't make a decision unless you know it's the right one. Gemini. People don't realize you don't leave them hanging on purpose. It's just you tend to double book and you never allow yourself enough time to do what you want to do. Cancers. Sometimes you don't know when to call it quits and realize that people come and go. You often have trouble being honest with people if you think it's going to hurt them. Now, Leo, you're the type of person that's the what's the problem so we can fix it rather than giving someone the silent treatment and saying you don't care when it really bothers you. Now are Virgos. Virgo, the next person you decide to give your heart to is going to be lucky. You know that you have to find peace with whoever comes and goes from your life. Libra, you're mature enough to stick around when things get tough. You rather know when someone doesn't want you in their life instead of them disappearing without an explanation. Scorpio, you don't believe in giving everyone a second chance no matter how sincere they may seem. You know that people will tell you what you want to hear if they think they can get away with it. And last but not least are Sagittarius. You're never afraid to put yourself out there. You have no problem ignoring someone, but let someone ignore you and it's World War III. Listen guys, this has been your boy So Devin with your zodiac facts for this week's affairs of the heart podcast make sure you guys are also going over to the youtube channel so you can see our extended conversations from this week's podcast just look up the affairs of the heart podcast on youtube or go to the affairs of the heart podcast.com click on the youtube link and it'll take you right to our page keep it locked Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, So Devonair, one half of the Fairs of the Heart podcast. Just want to make sure you guys are enjoying the podcast, but also want to let you guys know to go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. At noon, we will be premiering our recap for this week's episode of the podcast, and we kind of go a little bit farther into the topics that we talked about on this week's podcast. So if you sign up for the notifications, um, you will see that there's going to be a premiere happening at noon. So make sure you guys are logging on to the Fairs of the Heart podcast.com. Click on to the YouTube link. It'll take you to our page, or you can go to YouTube and look up the Affairs of the Heart podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying the show, and that's about it. All right, and we're back with the Affairs of the Heart, and we're going to get right into our sex topics. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, question number one. In your opinion, what does it mean to be good in bed? What does it mean to be good in bed? Are you asking me like to go I'm, first? I'm asking <laughs> anyone at the table. <laughs> um, for me, I mean, I think we've talked about this a lot of times. You talked about it a lot of times on this podcast. <laughs> um, but it definitely has to do with a lot of oral sex, 
Um, that that defines being good in bed too. To me, yeah. I mean, we don't really have to do penetration. Really? Mm -hmm. hmm. Who figured? As long as there's ass <laughs> eating, I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I had so much to say in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> This is where you take your back seat. No, you know, I, I, I gotta put my impulse president hat back on because that allowed me to, you know, be a community leader and really unapologetically sex positive because that's what we were funded to do. Um, you know, for me, I really think that a sex, uh, a good sex partner understands uh, communication in every sense of the word, verbal and nonverbal communication, right? Because you've got to listen. You've got to listen to what they're saying, what they're not saying, and listen to their body, right? But it's not like this mechanical thing where you have to listen. Listening just comes natural. If it comes natural, then you probably are good and bad. Um, I also think that um, being good in bed requires a certain level of spontaneity and a certain mm. level of um, being adventurous and, and being willing to explore, right? Um, you know, I think like, I feel like a lot of men, yeah, straight and gay, feel like they're really good in bed um, because of, you know, they might be bigger, you know, they may be thicker, they may be whatever the case may be, but it's like, that's not always the case. That's not always the yeah, case. Yeah. And like, sex is also about like, it's an adventure. It's a, they, they call it sex partner for a reason, right? So what makes a good partner in general, right? Good partner listens. This could be a business partner, your partner that you're in a relationship with, whatever. Partner who you're driving to up the street with. You gonna listen, or you gonna hold the phone while I try to navigate, or you gonna help me out, right? Mm -hmm. Is this about our collective experience together, or is this about you? Because people yeah, oftentimes yeah, yeah. do um, approach sex from a very selfish perspective, mm. where the pleasure is centered around them, yeah. um, and not collective pleasure, right? And I think the last thing um, that makes a good sex partner, well, there's a lot of things that make a good sex partner. The last thing I'm gonna say <laughs> is, um, I think understanding like consent, right? Um, that like uh, sex is not like necessarily, it's not, doesn't always happen on your timetable, right? right? Mm. Um, that people have full lives and someday you just may not be feeling it. Your stomach might be hurting, you just might have a headache. You know, you 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 want to be intimate, but it's maybe just not like sex. Um, and so, understanding like consent, yes, yes means yes, no means no, no always means no, um, unless you know, of course, you're into some other kink play or whatever, and you should have a safe word and all of those things. You know, not that I know. Allegedly, allegedly, my safe word might be planted, but I don't know. Allegedly. <laughs> I think it's important um, to along the lines of what you were saying I think it's also important to just be cognizant of the other person mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things you did say was that we oftentimes think of sex as for self mm -hmm. um, but you know in my experiences of being good in bed <laughs> um, speak on it sir in my experience of being good in bed I'm always thinking about the other person, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think I think that is totally, you know. But uh, trust is also important to be a good sex partner. I gotta be able to trust you, right? Which is part of the reason I don't necessarily do, 
you know, like random hookups. Right. Um, and I and I say that with no judgment because right. there was a period in my life where I did. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because I've grown up. I have become more knowledgeable. And for me, one of my triggers is like, if I can't trust you, obviously, like, I don't know if y'all heard about what happened with the gubernatorial candidate in Florida, Andrew Gillum. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very, very frightening, right? For yeah. those of us who have public platforms, who have something to lose, yeah. right? That yeah. are the most intimate pieces of our life, right? Our sex could be exploited and shared in a way that is public when that was not the intent. Yeah. And so trust is really important. I got to trust that when I say I don't do cameras, that you understand that I don't do cameras. Yeah. And it's not me being approved, it's just the reality of the life that I live yeah. and the reality of the society yeah. that we live in, right? Yeah. Um, I gotta be able to trust that when I do that really freak, nasty stuff with you, that you're not gonna go out and like, <laughs> you know, brag on, oh, you know, I just like smutted the senator out. You know, like, he was doing all the things. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to be felt. I don't want to feel like I'm a trophy. I don't want to feel like I'm something that you conquered, yeah. right? I'm a person. Yeah. Um, but that's, and, that's what that's with everybody, though. I think that people don't realize that a lot of times, the more comfortable you make somebody, the more the other person may do with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes, I mean, just speaking for me, coming from date from being married to a pastor, it was like that. You know, people did want to do things that were just stuff that I was like. Mm, I see where this is going, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, I just feel like, you know, if you feel safe with somebody, you may get a lot more from me than oh. you could. <laughs> but then, <laughs> if I feel safe with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a very <laughs> um, But I think it also, that trust takes time. You it does. can't, you cannot... I don't, not all the time, though. I, I get what you. I, you know I, I, I got what you're saying, but not all the time. Sometimes you have chemistry with somebody, like, and then it it, it 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 all adds up. You probably something for me. I do my research before I even get there, so I know what I'm dealing with. I I will, will find out what I need to know, but it's just a different thing when you when that chemistry is there, the trust is there, mm -hmm. and. The sexual attraction is there. Because you can be with somebody for 10 years and they can violate your trust. That's very true. Year, and you could very be with true. somebody for 10 minutes mm -hmm. and they hold that mo the yeah. intimate mm -hmm. moments that you have as sacred and as, you know, a secret and as something that is not like a secret, but it's sacred. It's not for, yeah, it's for public consumption. Yeah. It's for the people yeah. who were involved in the situation, right. whether that be two, three or more. You know, <laughs> gathered in the situation, right, it's a, it, right. the moment was sacred, even right. if it wasn't necessarily the most passionate sex, and y'all weren't love making and this, that, and the third. It's still, it's still sacred because right. it is. But for some people, that gets them off the fact that that y'all did it and nobody else knows. Absolutely correct. Because I know I love walking into places, you know, these Listen. city hall <laughs> and other places, and I shoot somebody a look and they smirk and. You know, I'm like, if these people in this room, y'all got all this respect for us, and I hope you still respect me if I was to tell you, but me and the other person down on the other end of the table, you know, it's the reason why we're on the same page. I love, I, I love being in those kind of situations, because it's like, it just, it just, the attraction is so much more. Yes. I think, and, and holding the value to any relationship, I think, is more, um, 
it just means more. Like there, there are people that I have relationships with that no one would ever know yeah. because for that very reason, like it's sacred. It means that much to me. And I, I'm not in the business of exploiting their friendship or right. their connection. You know right. what I mean? Like our connection is our connection. And I, I take, take it to the, uh, to the heart that you may not have that connection with somebody, else, mm-hmm. but you have it with me and you feel safe in that aspect. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Topic number two. What is your go-to masturbation fantasy? All right, y'all. Well, this has been great. (laughs) (laughs) Vote June 9th. Right. (laughs) You're probably not going to get a lot of this one because I don't really masturbate. You don't really masturbate, and I... Mine is just being free from coronavirus. (laughs) Is that your (laughs) go-to? I cannot. Wow. Um, I think of all the things I would do if I was free. (laughs) I don't really have a masturbation fantasy I don't I mean I would assume that most likely most like men it's either early morning or late evening or in the middle of the afternoon since we're all quarantined but mm-hmm. um there's no unless you on Twitter and you find a good video listen you know <laughs> free Twitter just pops up you know, out of nowhere right. like, good morning um, we're fucking done oh well, <laughs> I wasn't now, thinking about now it here's the morning, now, now here's the morning prayer <laughs> Um, I feel like for me, you know, like, um, being a Pisces, I'm always like whimsical. And so there's like lots of things that, you know, I guess could be my go-to, but I think for me, like, I always think about like, what if I didn't have all of these parameters and these boxes that people force me to fit in because I want to like be, you know, a servant leader because I want to lead the community and, and, and happen to do it with this title a state senator, I, I, w- I think about, like, if people were not so judgmental, the type of, like, sex I would probably engage in, mm. I think about that. Okay. Um, I think about, <laughs> yeah, I think about that. Um, because, you know, the That's whole, a very open, uh, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> very broad. It's very, very broad. I think, I, think, I, think about, I think about that. Like, what does it mean to, to truly have, and I know that sounds, like, really whimsical, but I just think about, like, what what does it look like if so what if my constituents knew that like I was having sex with you know my partner and they happened to see me do it like outside mm-hmm. or like you know like all of the things that we're all thinking about right but it's right. not politically correct for a state senator or a pastor or even the average person to say many Mm. of these things in a workplace or even outside of their work, right? Right. You know, it's just like, it's seen as taboo as like office cooler, water cooler talk. But, you know, before y'all got there, you were either on freak Twitter, you were doing something with who you was with that morning, you know, before you got to work. But now all of a sudden, we have to be all... We can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. But when I tell you the place that if you... You want to talk about some some, some salacious sex? (laughs) City Hall, baby. Okay. Like, uh, Atlanta had, you know, before our our Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, Kasim Reed, you know, he got stories for days. Okay. You know, that state capital, white and black. (laughs) There's some freak nasties. And, and, And here's the thing, like, People in politics will, will, like, really hate me for saying this, but, like, they're some of the freakiest people that I know. Well, Black well are they really the most, oh are they the most oh really freakiest people, or are they just people that you're not expecting to have sex? 
No, 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 no. Because I work in politics, so I okay. expect for folks to have sex. Because I, I, I have sex. But I'm so, just saying right. for the for the average person. I don't know. I can't speak for the average person. I could just speak from my perspective. And when I've had sex with people, you know, who have not worked in politics, it's been good. I've, yeah. you know, had some really I guess for amazing me, like for me, I always just feel like sex has to be secret because I was a PK. So like mm-hmm. everything that I do is almost like. The thrill is nobody knows that I did it, mm-hmm. you know, because I always feel like I've had to keep my sex life private. So I think when you work in a field where you're where you sexually you have to be repressed, mm-hmm. um, I think you oftentimes when you are in those private moments, it's very like, first of all, every political drama has what? Lots of sex. We saw, we saw, you know, I, almost to the point where I had to stop watching it because I was like, I can't keep doing this. Kerry yeah. Washington was getting you mm-hmm. banged everywhere. I mean, behind in, in behind the Situation Room, in a coat closet, in the White House. I mean, and these things aren't, you know, like they would talk about the Marilyn Monroe references yeah. with Kennedy and stuff like that. Art imitates reality. Yeah. Art oftentimes is influenced That's where by it came, it, it came from. Correct. And so. Mm-hmm. This, they don't just put sex in political dramas just because they need to spice it up. That's the but reality. But I'm just also saying, your next door neighbor's having that same sex. Y'all just don't care because it's not somebody in a, in a manger or office or anything like that. They they may be having that same sex, but their sex is not policed in the same way. Right, that's what I'm PK's saying. Kid. And so right, right, because right. of that repression, I just feel like I've experienced sex with people who have, you know, feel like they have to repress it for whatever reason, and I'm like, Whoa, you know, like, mm, okay. <laughs> if somebody I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this. I'm not gonna say too much of it. Uh-huh. But a lot of times, when it's someone who has um, some kind of uh, platform, platform mm-hmm. is very extreme sometimes mm. too. Because I've come across that a lot of times, right. And all things, all things are are good in moderation. Mm-hmm. Things. Some things are just way too much. Too. Yes, all things are good <laughs> in moderation. Remember, we said earlier, consent is important, baby. Okay, don't be running around here being I'll messy. Have, I've had to leave some homes. That's all I'm gonna say. Listen, and we will, we will, we will leave it there. <laughs> all right. What's the strangest prop you've used to get yourself off? Okay, listen, y'all. You listen, I, y'all. This <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really, we, we don't really have the time and or the capacity to discuss. I don't think I've used a strange problem. I mean, it was something outside of the sex that I've been used. So I don't really know what to give this. Okay, let's flip the let's flip the question. What do okay? What do you remember when you discovered masturbation? So I did not know what masturbation was. I was never taught what it was. So I remember I used to masturbate everywhere. Like at school, everywhere. in the hallway, underneath my coat. We had Saturday school. I would masturbate I mean, underneath my Listen, I would masturbate underneath my coat in Saturday school. Thinking nobody knew what I was doing. Because I never was taught what masturbation was. I masturbated in the bathrooms in my high school, middle schools, all the time. When I found out that people knew what it was, I was so embarrassed. So you, they, just wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. oh my gosh. Okay, so Listen. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, let me, let me just get, I just need clarity. So, so weak. you were so weak. masturbating everywhere, everywhere and everywhere. people knew what you were doing. No, people didn't know because I was still hiding my dick. Okay. But 
I just wasn't, I wasn't like, just like, you know, jacking off people who were watching me. Oh, okay. But I was still like. Because as a school senator, I have to say, you know, that, you know, I know a lot of y'all like these public play videos, but maybe that is against the law. But okay. if public videos <laughs> was a thing back then, I could have made some great videos. Oh, you would have been, been a top producer on OnlyFans. <laughs> okay. If right. I was the outside, they would send me outside um, the classroom. I would masturbate me to death. I would go in the bathroom while the boys was uh, using the bathroom. I would masturbate in there. I sit in Saturday school in the auditorium underneath a big-ass coat. And I was like, say, I sit here for like five hours. I'm going to just jack off the whole time. And I did it. This is in middle school. Oh, wow. But I had never heard of masturbation. Stamina. So when I found out about it. 12. (laughs) So when I found out what it was, I was so embarrassed. And I actually wanted to go talk to my mom. My dad was like, why did y'all tell me what this is? <laughs> because I've been doing it everywhere. <laughs> and so you mad at, you're mad at them because they didn't tell you. Because nobody told me what it was. No, no, no. It's interesting, though. Like, as soon as you label something, there's like, shame attached to it. Right? Well, and the thing is, my mom was a pastor, so I'm taught not to have sex. So this is the other thing that I'm secretly doing that God doesn't know and that I'm not having sex. So I'm good. God does not know that you are messing with <laughs> right. God. He knows I'm not having sex with anybody. Right. And God's sitting up there like, look at you. You're just doing it everywhere. Just everywhere. Everywhere. Just leaving it all over the place. Right. One, one bicep going to be bigger than the other one. Right. I was using all these hands. Oh, oh. Come on, you better be ambidextrous. That's the SAT word of the day. I discovered masturbation at summer camp. It's very traditional. That one time at band camp? Was it Was it at band camp? No. It was actually a Christian camp. <laughs> very traditional. <Yeah. laughs> very traditional. So no like, shade to the Christians out there. But it's true. Them. It's very traditional. It makes perfect sense. We would go to, to this summer camp every year, and there was mm-hmm. this one guy who I thought was so attractive. And... You was just thinking about it right now. Well, no, actually, we would. So this is how we were in in our in our cabin. We had our our shower section, okay. and so I went to take a shower. Very it was like a group shower. Back I know, right? It was a group shower. No, it, I mean it had like individual stalls. Okay. So I'm taking a shower, and he comes in the. He comes in. He comes in the bathroom. <laughs> 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 nah. Um, I'm just trying to give the listeners a visual. <laughs> I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Where are you were wrong? <laughs> and so I got a little, I got a little excited. Uh huh. Okay. And so a little or a lot? Uh, a lot. Okay. And so he noticed that I got excited and oh, he saw you get excited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah. He Awkward started. octagons. Um. Did he end it strong? He was this like a let's play together type of thing. Yeah, it was kind of one of those like oh, I okay. see you're hard, I'm hard, and it was kind of like okay, well, I'm gonna pull on it. And I boys being boys, yeah, so. I didn't know what was it was like. like a sword fight. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, like let's take the train into the tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> what sex ed class have you gone to? And see, this is why you need to vote for Democrat in the War for State Senate. Because we need comprehensive sex education <laughs> in our public schools. 
You see, well, Dwayne you said that we never had gay we sex right education. We've never had gay sex <laughs> And that's why I said comprehensive, because mm-hmm. comprehensive means that it's in, it includes yeah. the experiences and the needs of like. That would have been, I, I, I honestly, God, that would have been so helpful. Honestly, just because, I, like I told you, I didn't know what masturbation was. Right. Honestly. So just to have those conversations and knowing what it was mm-hmm. at the time frame that most young guys start to do that would have been helpful for me. Well, that, and, and I think too... Because we didn't have it until we was like the 11th grade. But I think too, some people that, still don't, that don't villainize sex. Mm-hmm. Like, don't make it a, a negative... Well, thing. it's just another form... I, I really feel like, you know, sex ed should also be like sex communication because it's, it is a way that humans communicate. Right, um, it is one of the nonverbal or verbal ways that we communicate, and so mm-hmm. I think you know to really be like sex positive, right? What is a sex positive, um, comprehensive sex education? It doesn't say go run out and have sex because we're telling you about it as a young person. It's where you you may be doing this, you may be thinking about it. You're at that age, your hormones are raging, all the things. So let me talk to you in a way that one isn't like stigmatizing and super scientific, but also doesn't make you feel ashamed about your sex. Because I think the number one thing why HIV rates are high, why rape and other things and sexual assault happens is because of the shame and the stigma that is associated with sex. Mm -hmm. Even though it's like the most common thing going on, like people are having sex right now. Yeah. Right now, yeah. I mean, my, as mind blowing as that sounds, <laughs> listening to this podcast, <laughs> you are doing it. listening to this podcast. Why I mean, and if, if that is what you know tickles your fancy, if my voice and talking <laughs> <about> <laughs> running for state senate gets you there, then I mean, I want your vote. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. All right. All right. My last question: Does good dick or ass equal love? Oh, this is not a part of these questions. Right. Okay. This is see where's my where's my campaign manager? You gotta stop signing me up for these interviews, this ambush journalism. I know a surprise question coming. Now hold on now. Wait. It was just one more question. Say what's going on here. Does good dick or ass equal love? No. 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 Not at all. No. No. The other L word. Our levels all went down here. (laughs) No, no. Now, if you had asked me 10 years ago, mm. when I was 20, sure. Oh, sure, yeah, he loved sure, me. Sure, yeah, 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 he loved me. Let's be do things to him, you know? <laughs> like, it just means we have a good sense. <laughs> right, right. But, and also, good sex doesn't denote that, like, you have to lock someone down, and, like, that that mm. means that you need to be in a relationship with them. Sometimes good sex is just it's that. It's just that. It's good sex. Yeah. No, Aaron. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. Thought you had something to say. I was having some flashbacks. I'm sorry. I'm still in quarantine. Ah, (laughs) yes, yes. Quarantine and it might mean chill. Good sex and relationship. Lord. All right. But no, I mean, I think that you know, it's not a good idea. That's all you got. Okay. Don't get caught up. Don't get caught up. Please don't get. Please. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, one more time, you want to tell our listeners where to find you? Yes. Um, first of all, thank y'all for having me. This was really, really fun. I love interviews like this. 
um, because I think that we need to see the full side of the people that are seeking to lead us, yeah, right? Because absolutely. they're people too, and they have full range of human experiences, and that means sex. So. We did want to make sure that you, like, when you came, like, you know, our podcast is just, like, our conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, we don't want to do, like, a real interview. We want us to, like, you know, get people to know you. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, yeah. I'm happy that and there this turned interview. out the way that it turned out. Yeah, this was actually a really good show. Thank you. Like, I can't wait for I people to hear this and then start emailing us back because... We do get a lot of emails. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully a lot of emails translates to a lot of votes for Devin Parrington Ward. I am running for State Senate, as I mentioned before. You can find me at DevonForStateSenate.com. That's Devin, F-O-R, for StateSenate.com. You can also find me on social media um, at the same, uh, uh, I guess, handle, uh, which is Devin for State Senate. Uh, again, the election is June 9th. If you are a registered voter in Georgia, you should have received an absentee ballot request form. Please fill that out because that allows you to vote by mail. Um, I just love that we didn't really talk that much about COVID-19, which is great. Um, so with that being said, though, it is a pandemic that is ongoing. And so don't let that be an excuse for why you don't participate in the electoral process because... If anything, this has shown us the importance of who the hell we put in office, right? Yeah. Because in Georgia, where it feels like we're doomed. We got thieving ass Brian Kemp who steals elections, and then when you're governor, you actually don't even do things right. You keep beaches open and all this other stuff when that's not good public health practice. And then we got crazy ass Donnie up in there that we got to get out in November. But state and local elections are so important as well because most of the things that impacts you in your life it's decided at the state and local level and i want to be able to help make policies that impact you in a positive way we're going to have some tough times after this the recovery is going to be a little hard but as black folks as brown people as people who are marginalized we are incredibly resilient and so we will get through this but we got to get through this with sense so please hit me up i'm in the process of developing uh, a people's agenda COVID-19 recovery plan so that means like I have petitions on my websites to get the governor to suspend rent and mortgage payments and utility payments while, while the crisis is going on um, to make sure that we're housing not, not to stop you what you're saying yeah. but it's so weird to me that the electric company is still expecting that <laughs> right. and unemployment is but the, but the car payment and the uh, the rental places like you know we're, we're going to give you some time electric they want that money on right. that day which is ridiculous considering how much yeah, there's always that our government always allows Georgia Power to have these incredible rate increases um, and all the things and the idea that y'all can't wait on the lights a little bit while we figure out what's yeah, happening that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me at all um, but in other places we're doing that in other places in mm-hmm. Canada they're giving their citizens $2,000 a month wow. instead of a $1,200 check Wow. And so all of that matters because people who you elect make those decisions. Okay. I'm grounded in community. I've always been a part of the community. You see me at Bulldogs. Back in the day, you see me at Tracks in 708. So I've always <laughs> been, you know, whether it's a march, whether it's church, it's at City Hall, the state capital. I'm taking and for community. And from Atlanta, Bulldogs is not closed. Bulldogs is not closed. <laughs> Bulldogs is not closed. Everybody relax. Okay. Pull your jets. So they was, they was, the kids were scared. Okay. Not oh, mercy. You will still be able to get, you know, gasoline in a cup with a little orange juice. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what, a, what a splash of juice. What a splash of juice. 
election is June 9th and I really hope to have your support. Please hit me up on social media. I respond to messages and let's rebuild the future together, y'all. The future's ours. We just gotta create it. All right, this is gonna face the heart. Make sure you guys are following us on all social media at ALTH Podcast on Twitter. Follow us at The Affairs of the Heart on Instagram and also follow us at Affairs of the Heart on Facebook. I got it right this time. <laughs> and that's it. All right. Goodbye. Love you guys.